0: for good or for bad, you probably will hear another homily from me besides this one. But this is the last homily that I will probably give. I can't anticipate doing another one. As the protos of the church. And I just had to laugh when I read what the text was. Each year I mean, I think every priest should have to pray this on his last homily as a pastor. Each year, the church calls upon us to contemplate this passage three times. Twice on Sundays. It's recorded in three of the Gospels. Not in John, but in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it records it. And so we we read it on the fifth Sunday after Pentecost, which is today. We read it on the 14th Thursday after Pentecost, and we read it on the 23rd Sunday after Mark on that Thursday, and Luke's passage on the 23rd Sunday after Pentecost. It's a strange story. There's destruction of of property. There's a man who's saved. There's a, a a community who sees a miracle and they run the miracle worker off. We hear God who speaks a word. We see the demons who have been, voluntarily have in fact turned their backs on God for they were once angels. They've been cast out of heaven because of their rebellion and they recognize that God is in their midst. All of these things wrapped up in one story. The church asks us to contemplate this three times during the year. And we sort of wonder, why? I don't know that I have all the answers to that. You've heard this homilies on this so many times. You could probably give the homilies yourself. You know the, the fact that the demons recognize God says that I should be able to recognize God, that I should see the God-men, that I should know and, 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 and beg his, his blessing. But we don't always do that. The demons do, here in this case. They stand in fear before him and they say, Please don't destroy us. We see people who see a man saved, and, and in the other two accounts, evidently there were two of them. We see, we see them restored from having been ravaged by sin. Okay, and you might say, well, wait a minute. There were the demons who were ravaging them. But brothers and sisters, the demons could not have touched them, could not have entered them in any way unless they themselves had given them entrance. Somewhere along the line they had said yes to this. Do not be afraid that the demons are going to come and sort of enter you. That's not going to happen unless you beg them in. They will affect your life, as they affected these people's lives. They knew of the demoniacs that were there. And they didn't want to be around them any more than you or I want to be around somebody who has lost his mind either and his, and his full physical health but his mental health is very strange and even dangerous at times. You and I don't want to be there. These people didn't want to be there. The, de- the demons affected them but they can only enter you unless you let them and ask them in. Somewhere these, this demoniac had had sinned to the point that he had granted entrance and now sin ravages him because the evil one hates you. What is also communicated to us in this is in fact that we should never forget that there's an unseen world. There is. But by a word of God, it's powerless. So that in fact even I heaven forbid any of you would ever have to deal directly with the, de- the, the, the demons themselves, but should you? Your, your defense is simple. You've been taught it every time you come to the church. And the defense is simply to say, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy upon me, a sinner. And the confession of God himself, who has come in the flesh and is our Lord, banishes them. The sign of the cross protects you That's how you deal with them. You don't engage them. You don't wonder at them. You don't say, because they don't come necessarily in an ugly form. They come in a very pretty form most of the time. But It's a real world. There is an unseen and a seen world. We say it in the creed every Sunday. Visible and invisible. The church reminds us of that in the end what we see is the one who himself has become like one of us and he saves the demoniac who has been lost. And that's how we're saved. We're not saved because we pray the prayer right. We're not saved because we fast the best. We're not saved because we read the lectionary every day and without fail and extra. That's all good. I would commend that to you, but that's not what saves you. There's only one thing that that saves you and me, and that's the Lord himself. In his love, he became one of us, and in his passion and his resurrection, he brings life to us. And We stand before him and say, Lord, have mercy upon me, and he does. It's a great blessing, but there's this temptation to say, I don't want to be near this like these people did. Do not let darkness cloud your mind, but long for light. We talked about that last week. Long for the light. May, as strange as this account is for us, and hard for us sometimes to understand, may it linger always in our minds to remember those few things that are very important for us so that God's presence with us would not be blocked by our own longing for self, but by our wanting to engage and love him back. May we know that he protects us. May we know that he banishes all the darkness and he brings light to us. And in a fallen world, we can make it through to that next world, which will for us, by God's mercy and grace, ever be with him. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God.